Hey, everybody. Uh, we're the Menschwarmers, your bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. And we are right in the middle of Jocktober. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing very good. Happy Jocktober to you, too. I, I know that most of the high holidays are done. The last thing we filmed was Simfest Torah, but it feels like the Jock Peterson October home run train. You know, there could there fittingly could be a Jock Peterson uh, Yontif somewhere yeah, involved right. in, in a September, October time. The, the, the Jewish calendar is full of holidays, but we really have nothing between Simchat Torah and Hanukkah. So maybe Jocktoberfest is the holiday that we all need. Um, we are referring, of course, to Jock Peterson, uh, the <clears throat> excuse me, I, I have a bit of a cold if, if people if people can't hear that. Um, but we're referring, of course, to Jock Peterson, the Atlanta Braves uh, outfielder who has the just self-proclaimed been... the self-proclaimed bad bitch of the yeah, Atlanta exactly. Braves. So that's the second thing to talk about. The first thing is just that in the ALDS uh, against the Brewers, he hit two home runs, you know, NLDS, NLDS, sorry, NLDS uh, against the Brewers. He hit two home runs, uh, including a three run shot yesterday. You know, he's hitting 429, having a great uh, postseason as he has and, many times. And at the same the time, the, he has decided, I think, I think to dress like his own booby. Yeah. So, for some reason, un, un, unknown to, to anyone, really, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he started wearing a, a string of pearls around his neck and not like, you know, uh, a necklace with one pearl or something like that, but like, uh, a, like a pearl necklace, sort of costume jewelry thing. Yeah, I, I can only assume they're real pearls, but what do I know? Maybe they're not. Um, certainly the first type of that bling that we've seen anyone wear. And uh, someone someone apparently asked him during a, a postgame str- scrum what the story behind the the string of pearls was and he responded he's just a bad bitch and that's why he's wearing them so <laughs> i don't know man this is great I, I i buy it um you know shout out to uh i i i would I, I i guess friend friendish of the pod evelyn frick at alma who reported on it because i think that was just like a great story um so i think she's she a friend to, of the pod yeah she's liked our tweets and and you know we've We've uh, interviewed her coworkers, and almost another organization in the struggle for more Jewish media covering itself. Yeah, I think they, they have a very similar mo to ours, which is, did you know so and so is Jewish? Um, and occasionally <laughs> they write about sports. So um, you know, we talked before about playoff baseball. Rowdy Tellez out. Um, it's it's a shame, but Bregman lives on. Yeah, Bregman lives on. Uh, Giants led by Gabe Kapler, you know, by the time this comes out, it might, you know, Gabe Kapler may or may not have been eliminated. Close personal friend of our last guest, Josh Rawich, Gabe Kapler, uh, may, may have been eliminated. My namesake, uh, you know, when I was growing up, there were not a lot of famous notable people with the name Gabe. Um, you know, at the time, Jewish major leaguer, Gabe Kapler was one of them. Uh, Mm. Mick Jagger's son, who was close in age to me is also named Gabriel. Um, but that was more or less it growing up. Well, good segue, games. good segue into uh, similar named people, because uh, my last name is Hirsch, uh, a fairly common Jewish last name. Um, most, you know, most Hirsch. Pause here. James' last name is Hirsch. I know three Jewish families named Hirsch who all spell their name differently, but pronounce it the same. Oh yeah, it's it's my name is commonly misspelled. They often add a C or spelled with an E. I, I, you know, I'm. It, it's all an anglicization of some, you know, Germanic or, or Yiddish uh, last name. So any spelling, I think, is I'm okay with. Um, but most Hirsches are Jewish. I think you know, especially last named Hirsches. There's certainly some first named Hirsches 
who, who are Jewish as well. But one notable athlete uh, with a similar name who's not Jewish is Herschel Walker, uh, you know, the running back and, and you know, Georgia star uh, who is currently running for the uh, Atlanta Senate. And uh, Gabe, you, you, you told me today about a, a pr- pretty terrible thing that he's been involved with. <laughs> I'm also I'm also happy to talk about Herschel Walker in the context of, you know, last week we discussed non-Jews named Mordecai. <laughs> right. Uh, and I feel like, you know, we left out Moises Alou was a non-Jew named Moises. Sure. Sure. Herschel Walker is a non a non-Jew named Herschel. Um, I think, you know, what whatever the opposite of a Mike Jacobs all-star is, I guess we could call him, you know, a Michael Mordecai all-star, or if we're sticking with the Mike theme. But Herschel Walker's running for Senate in Georgia as as I would say not particular friends to the Jews, Donald Trump's preferred choice candidate. Um, right. And as you would expect, you know, their, their campaign has become involved with some unsavory characters, one of whom who publishes under the logo of a swastika with vaccine tips at the end of it. Um, so Herschel Walker is now choosing to identify with him. So if you, uh, if you live in Georgia, um, you know, it's not great to see a professional athlete openly embrace that anti-Semitism, but we try not to get all political on this show. But if you live in Georgia, please do not vote for that guy. Yeah, I mean, I guess really they tried to downplay it from it this as... podcast to you. Just just don't. Yeah. So is it like a swastika shaped image made of syringes? And I guess it was sort of suggesting that vaccine mandates are, are the Nazis here. But, you know, at best, at best, it was not an embrace of Nazism. It was just a... Um, complete uh you know reduction of the uh, horrendousness of nazism by by equating it with vaccine mandates so like that's the best case scenario for him so not all so not too. all hershes is, is the is the is the point i'm trying to make here but what i also don't understand and maybe the, again this is getting a little too political not all hershes but but all jews but hashtag all jews maybe that's you know the right thing I, I sometimes get lost with the anti-vaxxers if they think they're the Jews or they think they're the, the master race where they have know. like better, better immune systems and better natural powers that they don't need to get the vaccine. Yet they're the Jews for being forced to get the vaccine. That's the part I, I lose. I lose them on. I, I think it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, the, um, in, the in the same way that people have uh, caricatured Jews as, as both, you know, the, the capitalist overlords and also the, the communist uh, internationalist conspiracy. There, there's a, it, it's a big tent, but it's not necessarily the most in, uh, ideologically consistent. What is your preferred historical Jewish stereotype? Like if you would like Ooh, one of them to be true about you, which, which would you like it to be? Well, I feel I feel like good with money. We're, good with money. We're, is we're the, getting is the, the money sign from our producer here of what he would like. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I do feel like good with money has a, has more cachet these days than like when it was used as like a basis for blood libel in times when usury was you know a punishable sin by the church. Um, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah, you know, if I were a rich man, sort of comes to mind as as the best. Do you, do you have one as a uh, as a stereotype that you actually think is a good one in something you embrace? I think it'd be pretty fucking cool to be some sort of horrible lizard monster under my skin suit. Mm, I, see. I think I, I would like to be some sort of alien freak that has has made my way through North America, living comfortably as as a human, but actually am one sort of, you know, interstellar ageless monster i 
I have a friend who is a prominent, I would say, well, she's a journalist at a very prominent global newspaper who once said in a wedding speech, wedding I was at, she, she, I think her and I were the only Jewish people at the wedding. She opened her speech with, hello, I am the Jewish friend. I even shaved my horns for all you people tonight. And there were like three people that laughed. I was right. one of them, but I would love for that to have been true. You would now, like you would like a set of horns that you could uh, bust out. I think that'd be a set of horns would be like a little part of it, like mm. like maybe if they were like the little ACDC horns they give out at concerts. But I think I'd I'd prefer to be like a full on reptilian. Interesting. I I don't know if this is a stereotype. I guess not a stereotype per se, but um, I, I guess if the golem was real, if we just had like a you know clay Batman to call on occasion to to settle disputes, that would be uh, to settle disputes and protect protect Jews. That would be that would be cool. That would, more, that would be, I a, guess that's more a, of a mythology than a stereotype. A, a very good one. Similar to, to how we call, you know, uh, New York Met Kevin Pillar the Dybbuk because yeah. he steals hits in the outfield like the Dybbuk would steal souls. So I It's true. Someone that, needs the golem as as their nickname. We need like, I feel like a goalie, a Jewish goalie could could be a golem. That would be a, that would be a good ooh, you a know, golem. play on words. I, we should, we, we could reach out to Corey Hirsch. Uh, speaking of Hershey's, yeah, uh, former NHL goalie and Jewish and and other Herschel Walker sound alike. Um, Corey Hirsch to see if he was ever called the Golem. The Golem is, you know, I think it's a it's a good one, but I don't think I thought Corey Hirsch isn't Jewish. Didn't we look into this at some point? Is Anyways, I think he's not. I think he's just like one of those prairie guys with a with a Germanic last name. Yeah, um, he he'd be a very good Mike Jacobs All Star. He is from Medicine Hat. Yeah, exactly. So no, no Jews. Right. No Jews in medicine hat. Well, we um, call or, you know what, one. Ralph Ben, ben Murgy, if you're listening, let us know if there's any Jews in medicine hat, and please interview them. Um, that does give us a, a good lead <laughs> into, um, you know, believe it or not, it's mid October, and somehow that means that hockey's back. Uh, it feels like hockey just went away. Um, Gabe, I'm going to say you're our rec- resident hockey hockey expert uh, because there's only two of us here, and I I, I don't know hockey very well at all. Um, but we should talk a little bit about, about uh, Jewish players in the NHL and, and who we should be looking out for this year. So obviously we're going to be paying a lot of attention to, to our both of our close personal friend, uh, Zach Hyman, uh, who is starting his career in the Edmonton Oilers with uh, playing with uh, Connor McDavid, obviously. Right. Um, but also we have to look at sort of emerging superstar and f- almost certainly two future uh, American Olympians. You know, the NHL players are going to be back at the Olympics in this coming February, excuse me, uh, in Tokyo and, uh, or sorry, in Beijing. And we've got, uh, uh, you know, two Jewish defensemen on Team USA in reigning Norris Trophy winner, Aaron Fox, and in uh, uh, Vancouver Canuck, Quinn Hughes. Adam or Fox. Adam Fox, Adam I say, Adam Fox. I apologize, Adam Fox, uh, uh, Quinn Hughes. So who we can both get very excited about, you know, claiming to be Jewish. It, mm. It's There often aren't going to be two Jewish players on the same uh uh, same Olympic team in any hockey sport. I think they might be the first Jewish teammates uh, uh, on Team USA ever. Um, and sure. especially if any of uh, Quinn's brothers also make the team. So we'll be following them closely. That is Adam Fox of the New York Rangers, Long Island boy, uh, you know, may or may not have a, a New York Rangers themed uh, bar mitzvah, but I am the secreting that into existence. Mm. We'll have to ask our friend Emily to look into it uh, as well as um uh, uh, you know, Vancouver transplant Quinn Hughes. Right. So Adam Fox won the uh, Norris trophy last year uh, for being that that's the best defenseman or is that the best offensive defenseman or best defenseman? Though now that's a big debate. Um, that is the best defenseman, but often it sort of goes into the, the, the best defenseman. 
best you defensive, know, best defensive, defensive defenseman. It is, it is traditionally the best, but it often goes into the best, you know, it winds up being the best offensive one. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, um, similarly, yeah. we've got a third, actually a third American defenseman, uh, Jacob Chitrin uh, of the Phoenix Coyotes, who is also uh, Jewish uh, and American. So, you know, he could even make the team as well. And there could be three. Oh, interesting. I think, um, I guess we'll have to look into this, but I think the last Jewish player to play for the U.S. men's Olympic team is uh, Matthew Schneider. I know he played, he was in Nagano. Um, I, I don't know if he would have been in the in the next one. It might have been a little too late in his career to make it. Yeah, to Salt Lake. I'm not sure if there were, if there has been one uh, ever since. I think a lot of people have thought Scott Niedermeyer was Jewish, okay. uh, the Canadian, but he he was definitely not. But Matthew Schneider would be a great one. I don't think Michael Camilleri ever played on an Olympic team. So he's I Canadian. Think that he's Canadian. Camilleri. He's Canadian, but he I mean he is also Jewish. So I don't oh know yeah, if sure. I just Canadian mean on the uh, on, on the Canadian team. Uh, sorry, on the American team. Um, that's something, you know, we should look into and, and probably take, um, more, a more close look in at, um, in advance of the, uh, 2022 Olympics in Beijing, I guess the, um, the, the NHL players are going to play in the Olympics now, right? Yes. They are going to the Olympics this year. Right. They're in 2022. Right. Um, so there's also, uh, uh, you know, a couple of, of Mike Jacobs, all-stars entering the, uh, the league this year. Or, okay. you know, that we were talking about at the start, you know, I, I'm going to name them for you. And I don't want you to tell me if they're Jewish because they're they're not. But okay. I'd like you to tell me what country you think they're from. OK. OK. So the first one, uh, Mike Jacobs, All-Star, a defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche, Bowen Byram. Bowen Byram? Yes. I'm going to guess American. Bowen Byram is Canadian. That, that's okay. close, but... You know, not you know, not fully there. Not uh, Eric Chernick. Eric Chernick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like Sweden. Eric Chernick is Slovakian. Oh, Slovakian. You know, it's it's, but it's got that C with like the thing in it, so maybe it's Cernick. Okay. And then, lastly, my personal favorite, Moritz Sater. It's Moritz Sater. Yeah, Moritz Sater. Which Ooh, I'm gonna guess know, sounds like the name of a family event. I'm gonna go Swiss. Is he Swiss? Very close. He is from Zell, Germany, uh, which I okay. believe is is sort of in the Swiss area of Germany. But we're gonna be following Moritz Sater extremely closely throughout his entire career. That is very cool. Well, um, we should welcome to the league the uh, new expansion team, the Seattle Kraken, um, who I, I know I, lost last night to my my beloved uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And, and um, that means another Jewish owner into the uh, into the the fraternity of yeah. Uh, I was going to say, is there any NHL is there any owners? Jewish connection between uh, with the with the Kraken? Uh, yes, one of their owners is uh, uh, I guess uh, you know sort of one of the sort of people that anti Semites rule the world. Uh, movie producer Jerry Bruckheimer. Oh, of course, sure. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, all that. Ex exactly, he is a you know part of I guess a group called the. Uh, 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 I guess called the the Seattle Hockey Partners. Um, you know, there's a number of them. Okay. One of them, the Lewicki family, who used to run the Blue Jays. Uh, Todd Lewicki. I don't believe the the Lewickis are Jewish, um, but Jerry Bruckheimer is Jewish, mm -hmm. as well as uh, David Bonderman. Um, who yeah, he, uh, he's uh, he's one of the owners of the Celtics too. I think yeah, he's, he owns he's the a Celtics. Finance guy. He's Jewish. Exactly. Um, as well as Adrian ha Hanauer. 
who owns the Seattle uh, Sounders, who is actually uh, the good pillow billionaire. Mm, um, he owns sort of like a rival custom made pillow company uh, and is sort of a good pill- uh, pillow billionaire compared to the other um, compared to the other notable pillow billionaires. Uh, one other thing, I think there's a Jewish connection with the Seattle Kraken, which is that their logo is sort of a mythical, uh, you know, all-consuming giant squid, which is another stereotype I think Jewish people have been believed that's, to be. That's the one they skin. chose. Yeah, that's the one they chose exactly. So they, if if you give it up to Jerry Bruckheimer and Adrian Hanauer and ask them the same question, they're going to go with the giant squid with its tentacles inside all of the world. And also one of their one of their future stars, I guess, their an alternate captain is Mike Jacobs, All Star Jaden Schwartz, uh, yeah, who we've definitely gotten questions true. about, but is not Jewish, is from Saskatchewan. Uh, and is just, you know, one of those prairie guys with a, with a Germanic Jewish sounding last name. So good luck to the Kraken, uh, I guess. Um, uh, will be absolutely. hard for them to replicate uh, Vegas's early success as an expansion team, but, um, but uh, they'll try. Um, we should move on now to our interview with uh, Perry Goodman. Perry's a recent graduate of Brock University, and she was part of the Brock squad that captured gold at the uh, international cheer competition that she attended last year. Um, so it was really interesting to have, have Perry with us talk about cheerleading yeah. a bit. I didn't know much about, about gymnastics at all. Um, gymnastics, sorry, I should say, or cheer. Um, Perry yeah. talks a lot in our interview about both gymnastics and cheer uh, and sort of her career, some of the injuries she's had, some of the, the stuff she's overcome in order to compete. At a, at a very high global level as well. Some of the exciting futures of the uh, gymnastics world, some of the exciting things that are happening to the sport and her role as a Jewish athlete in that. Yeah. Interesting to hear her talk about, um, you know, visiting Poland and, and Auschwitz with their team. And uh, off the record, she told us that there's a little bit of animosity between between gymnasts and cheerleaders, um, you know, in terms of looking down on each other and, and a bit of a friendly rivalry between the sports. That was interesting to hear as well. I think it's those sort of the things where the two of them look at each other and they're like, I, you know, I wouldn't be caught dead in that one. It's like, you ever <laughs> hear the joke about the, the, the guy in the desert yes, island yes, with the yes. two synagogues? It's the guy in the desert island with the, the cheer squad and the gymnastics squad. Right. That one, one I wouldn't be join caught and One for me to never go into. Yeah. But uh, before we get to our interview, we should mention uh, that if you want to support the Canadian Jewish News, our, our fine, fine producers and distributors, um, then join the CJN Circle. Uh, it's their new sort of subscription model. You get quarterly magazines in print, uh, invitations to events. You you get not just us in our ear holes, but our words in your eyeballs if you were to read that print magazine from the CJN Circle. That's right. Um, Although I I should tell you, Gabe, I I should have mentioned this before. I've been asked by a a close family member to stop using the term ear holes. They don't enjoy it. So... That's the that's the feedback I'm getting from from my. Am I allowed uh, to family. still say ear holes? I guess you you still you can still say it. Although now that we've been discussing it, I've said it so many more times than I otherwise would have. Um, but yeah, join the CJN Circle. Invitations to events that'll include live events very shortly, and a weekly printable edition of the CJN. You can learn more at thecjn.ca/circle. Interestingly, uh, circles are one of the shapes that gymnasts and cheerleaders seem to you know join around in. So we'll use that as a wonderful Venn diagram, more circles, to throw to our interview with uh, Canadian uh, athlete, Perry Goodman. (laughs) 
Hi, we're here with Perry Goodman, uh, recently graduated from the Brock Badgers from the cheer squad. Perry, welcome. Thanks for having me. Perry, so tell our audience a little bit about um, what your role was with uh, the Brock cheer squad and, and how you got involved in, in cheer. Uh, so I was a flyer for four years of university, um, three if you don't it's, count the COVID year. Is flyer the like the one who does the flips? Yeah, the flyer is the one who gets launched in the air. And if you stack more than two people high, if you stack three, a flyer can be in that middle tier or at the top. So, okay, I this is first quick question before we get into your background. Real quick, what is the largest human pyramid you've been in? How many people? Um, like how many people tie tall or how many people it takes to put it up? Either or. Um, all right. So usually you max out at two and a half stacked people tall. So our okay. third level will actually start at the hip level of our second person. And they take around 10 people to put up safely. And that's just to make sure that you have a group to throw up the top person and to catch them safely when they come down. So 10 people. Cool. I don't know. That's it. okay. So we're looking at 10 people here. Yeah. Sometimes you can actually join them together and you can get a whole team. So my team is 20 and we'll actually stack everyone together like little toy soldier army men. Um, but according it, to the it feels rules, almost ten, like, like something that would be in squid game. Kinda. There, that's a, a, a topical humor for you. So right, welcome to the show. Obviously, uh, you know, you're here, so you are Jewish. I would assume somewhat proudly. Um, Very proudly. it appears there's some Judaica behind you in the, uh, in the room. Um, yeah, I figured so, if I'm going on menschwarmers, this is the appropriate time to have Judaica behind me. Is that a, is that sure. a bat mitzvah certificate of some sort? Uh, no, one of them <laughs> is my parents' ketubah and oh, one great. is a Chabait behind me. Yeah, nice. I, my ketubah is somewhere in this room, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, oh, you know, I don't even know where mine is. Yikes. Uh, well, that's a, well that's Hashem does, so that's that's what matters. So, um, so Perry, how, how did you uh, get into competitive cheer? Um, I didn't join. I didn't really feel like I didn't want to join until university. And that's just because there's no gymnastics in Canada once you're okay. in new sports. Um, and a friend of mine had actually told me if like, if I wanted to come to a summer combine or a summer home camp to try out being a flyer that I should join because they had a lot of graduates um, like graduating on from the program. And that just with my height and my experience in gymnastics, I was likely to be a good fit. So I walked right. on in my sophomore year. So we take it so you, you did gymnastics as a, as a kid and growing up in, uh, in, into high school as well? Yeah. That was the and, and, and cheer, I guess, you know, has its, you know, obviously it's, it's basis in like, you know, traditional cheerleading and stuff like that, but it's, it's taken on a different, uh, a different context, it seems in, in the modern era in terms of what it is like, sort of you just walk us through a little bit, like what's involved in a, in a modern cheer, cheer competition. All right. So in the collegiate and national team league, which is what I was in, you have two and a half minutes to build as many structures with people as you can. And you get scored on how clean you can do it and how many people can do it at the same time on your team. So there's an incentive to break into smaller groups and has left less people lifting your flyer at the time. Um, and so the basis in the sport now is actually more in like Olympic style weightlifting than it is in gymnastics. And that's to separate it sure. from gymnastics when it becomes an Olympic sport in the next decade. And, and then you and have your cheering section. And is that when you say when it becomes an Olympic sport, is that like manifesting or is that a thing that has been decided upon that is going, that is like in the, in the motion? I'm really proud of this. It's going to be an Olympic sport as soon as a country that's hosting declares it has enough public interest. So likely it's going to be Los Angeles in 2028. Wow. Um, and I say I'm proud because when my team competed in Poland, which I'm sure we'll talk about after, that was one of the tournaments that the IOC looked at to determine whether or not it's going to be an Olympic sport. Oh, that's and, amazing. And so the squad is is typically, it's a 20 team, tw sorry, 20 person squad? 
Um, if you're competing on an all-girl team, it's 20. And if you're competing co-ed, it'll be 16. And 16 split between men and women, or, or there's some sort of different mix? Um, well, it's depending on which league you're in, it's split with different numbers of men that you're allowing on the team. Um, but co-ed teams can usually have up to, I think it can be pretty even split. I've never competed co-ed, so I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Um, but like collegiate cheerleading in the States, and think of like sidelines, it's pretty split men and women. Okay. So you you currently are in, I guess, the Niagara region for our American listeners. It's where close to Niagara Falls and I guess European listeners. We've got, you know, a minion of them or so. Um, where did you grow up? How did you find yourself there? Our producer, Michael, is, is a proud Niagaran. Um, I think that's the term. But but as you said, you were doing gymnastics growing up, I assume, at somewhat of a high level. Um, if you were looking at, at a university level program and then you found yourself in, in cheer. So, so let's start, you know, longer ago, sort of your athletic beginnings, where and when was that? Um, so that was in Richmond Hill. So I grew up a little bit North of Toronto and the athletic background that took me to Niagara, um, was just that I, I still wanted to compete in gymnastics when I was in university. And so I was looking at schools that were close to clubs that I had relationships with. And so it came down to me between uh, McMaster and Brock because that horseshoe stretch is really good with athletic programs. Okay. Um, and when I had gotten into McMaster, because I was decided between the two for art programs, um, just the balance between school and sport wasn't really common in McMaster. And it would be harder with my program being as time consuming as it is. Um, but at Brock, they have such a strong athletic culture with athletes from all different types of programs. So I knew that if I was going to go there, I would still be celebrated with whatever sport that I wanted to do, whether it was part of the Brock Badgers or independently competing in a club circuit. And what sort of format do the, do the competitions take uh, between the universities in Canada? For cheerleading? Yeah, for cheerleading. Um, so currently it's independent from U Sports and like, okay. not part of OUA for us. So we compete under like individual producers for tournaments. Um, but when the Brock Badgers, like when we compete overseas and we compete in the States, it's under varsity and UCA, which is just okay. like the, the umbrella for cheerleading in the States. And, and you mentioned, uh, your trip to Poland. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what, 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 how you were involved, what, what was going on there? For sure. So in 2018, the Brock Badgers got to compete representing U Sports, like an all U Sport team in Poland at the first FIZU Cheerleading World Championships, which is under the umbrella of like the Universiad competition. Um, and when we went, we were I feel like a, a pretty experienced team, but I was a rookie on that team, so I can't say that for myself. And when we went there, we were competing against other university teams. Like the results didn't matter for us. Obviously, like representing Team Canada, I think almost all of us on that team were, were rookies to Team Canada. And we just wanted to go and show the world that like Canada can keep up with the collegiate cheer program. Because normally when you think of cheerleading, you think of the US and we're like their small neighbors that are 20 years behind. Um, but for me personally, it was an exciting competition to go to because my family's history with the host city, we competed in Wuj and I have family that obviously moved from Poland and lived in Wuj ghetto. Um, so it was exciting to be a, a Canadian Jew with Polish heritage competing in a city that we weren't welcome in before. So that's really interesting. Let's let's talk a little bit about that as both representing Canada, but representing Canada in a place where sort of your family has history and um, our family, but obviously a ton of Jewish history in Poland, um, you know, from from the Holocaust. And then now as the community is sort of rebuilding and before, what was that like as sort of an international Jewish athlete on on both a, a athletic and historical mission? So it's kind of hard. Like I was for that week, I was for sure living a double life, like trying to figure out how to balance being Perry, the athlete who's in Poland on a business trip, because that's what we all call them versus Perry, the Jewish Canadian who's here being the only Jew in her party of 28 with the team and support staff 
And it's very hard to switch between the two and being able to experience both authentically. So I found myself like not really being able to buy into either fully until the end of the week that we were in Poland. Um, but I'm very grateful that I was able to before we had gone home. When you were there with your team, uh, did you have the opportunity to visit any uh, Jewish historical sites? Or, I mean, obviously, tragically, one of the things to visit there is, is concentration camps that are nearby. And I know that's, that's something people do often when they go on March of the Living or, or other trips. Did you have any opportunities in that regard? Yeah. So our coaches actually just tried to keep us busy rather than looking at like specific attractions. So the first five days that we were there, we were looking at a lot of street art. Um, Because the way Woodge has rebranded itself is now like a very hip university town covered in graffiti. It's very beautiful. Um, And we actually weren't able to to know if we got a a booked spot, as weird as that sounds, to go visit Auschwitz and Birkenau until the night after our our prelim day. So we'd finished competing the finals, go back to our hotel room, and our coach said, everyone dress respectfully tomorrow. We're leaving at four in the morning. And Jewish Paris thinks, I know what that means. So I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to try to go to sleep and process this in four hours so that I don't sleep and literally wake up in a concentration camp. Like that's, that's terrifying. Sure. This is something maybe I'm, I don't mean to be insensitive to anybody listening and I don't think it is, but I always thought Auschwitz was a place you could just sort of go to. I would have thought that too. (laughs) Yeah. there's, There's tickets to get in and there's tour guides and there's slots and again, like I only learned about this after the trip because you don't talk about it when you're there for sport. But mm-hmm. we didn't know if our team was going to be able to get in until one of the American coaches says, we got a great slot team, Canada. You should try coming with us or you should try the hour after us. Um, so it was a little uh, impromptu, but I'm glad we were able to go, even though it was a lot of unpacking when we were there and when we got back. Did you, did you feel like it, 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 your teammates got a lot out of it? I mean, obviously, as a Jew, I, you know, I'm sure there's a singular connection there. But uh, for your non-Jewish teammates, did they did they get something out of the visit as well? I would think so, but it's hard for me to talk on their experiences because sure. I can only see it through the lens of a Jewish kid with family who's been there. I'm glad that we got to go as a group. Like when you go as a, a Jewish. 20 something, you obviously like you imagine yourself going with a March of the Living group or you imagine with a some sort of Jewish tour group. And it was interesting for me to go with people who I like, honest to goodness, considered my family, but not in a Jewish light. Sure. It also, felt, I, uh, sorry, it felt I had, to go and, no, 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 it's okay. It's, it's, I'm, I think I speak for myself and a lot of our audience where we think of gymnastics as being a sport with a lot of Jewish connections, um, you know, through the Soviet era, era, you know, uh, and Bella Caroli and, and then eventually to, you know, our, your modern Ali Reismans and so on and so forth. But I, I'm sort of unfamiliar with if there's any Jewish history in competitive cheer. Like, are you it? globally these days or is there some are there any sort of uh uh elder jewish people that you can you know talk about or or look up to or or any history of it i mean i'm relatively new to cheer because i only started three years ago four years ago um and cheer is very new as a a standardized sport so the only other jews who i know that are at this level are also in ontario universities um but because the way the level system is set up uh, when I competed at Brock, I was at the top level. So I mean, like, I'm not going to call myself one of the top Jews in cheerleading. But as far as the level system is concerned, like someone else could look at my stats and say, that's a Jew who was on Team Canada. And I'll, I'll well, first of all, I think I, we could be the judges of that. Perry, we're, we're happy to call you one of the top Jews in cheerleading. Um, you know, we, we're not doing necessarily all the research in it, but we're, we're pretty we're pretty sure here. So congratulations. And- Yes, it's true. Something, obviously, as you said, you can see your name up there. Something we've heard from a lot of Jewish athletes we've spoken to is that 
you know, when they were kids, just seeing a Jewish name interested in any of the sports they were in into is, is really powerful and inspiring. So for you to bring that up yourself, I, it, you, it seems you get it, which is uh, very refreshing and nice to hear because it's you're part of it. Oh, I totally get it because I was the 13 year old watching Ali Raisman in London, watching her have mm-hmm. a Nagila routine, being like, sure. I want that. Um, yeah, different sport, but I hope for the similar outcome where someone sees me and decides to stick with cheerleading. So, so now that you've uh, you've graduated from Brock, is there is there more cheerleading in your future? Is there something you, you're able to do to continue to be involved in it? Are, are we going to see you in LA in uh, 2028? Maybe that was um, my next question. <laughs> Um, if there's cheerleading in my future, it would be through a master's program at Brock, just because I love the team's culture so much. And again, like ending on a COVID year, I feel like I still have more to contribute. It's just, I want the timing to be right. And I have to be back and be a student. It's, it's really interesting to, to hear you talk about how, how, you know, late it is to, to be sort of standardized internationally. I mean, some sports are so, you know, they, they've been, you know, there's been World Cup circuits for, for years and years and years. So it's interesting with uh, Cheers, Cheers emergence as a, as a sort of sport that it's, it's starting to get standardized and, and, you know, to be at the Olympics in, in such a short amount of time. I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, really competitive cheerleading in the way that we think of it now is, is probably only, you know, 20, 30 years old in, 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 in its um, organized nature, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting also to see it like while being inside the sport, because every time my team has done something, like it's not something that's so like abstract being an athlete doing it. But when you look on paper and realize that our team has done something for the first time in Canada or in the world, every year we've been together, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And I'm excited for 10, 15 years from now, when other people start to look back at the books and see how often Brock shows up just on that same paper. I think it's, it's, sort of interesting to think about the future of the sport as one, you know, that's growing and there seems like such a big opportunity to, to be part of it. Would you consider sticking around to coach or contribute in some other way than, than flying? Is that the, the correct verb? Yeah, that's the word. Um, I, I honestly don't think being an athlete through to 2028 is likely for me just because of the wear it takes on your body. Sure. Um, but I would love to be involved. I think the sport needs, I think as many people who have been through it as an athlete to sort of carry it through as staff, as it goes through its first decade of being standardized at the Olympic level. Just, just one uh, last question I had before we wrapped up. I know at the beginning we were talking about, um, you know, the, the number of people in a pyramid that you've been, do you know how, what's the highest you've ever been tossed in the air as, as a flyer, either in practice oh, or in a routine? Question. Is or, there, or is there a limit? Talk about like, like lateral distance traveled. <laughs> Oh, the letter, the, the less, the better for lateral. Oh, really interesting. You want people under you to throw you up and know exactly where you're going to be when they catch you. And the easiest way is just to not move. So it's sort of like the equivalent of a a minimal splash and diving, you know? Yeah, kind of. But what's the highest uh, people tend to get thrown or that you've been thrown up in the air? Um, I don't know while I'm in the air, but (laughs) normally you clear 15 feet. Wow. Because your base is underneath you and your your third or your back spot has to get their arms all the way above their head and jump a little bit before you start to flip. So you're clearing at least nine feet just to just to get the scale around, even if you're not doing it properly. And at the same time that you're being thrown in the air, you're probably you're you're also doing some sort of aerial maneuver as well, right? Yeah, usually you're back flipping. So were you the kid at school who could do a flip? I was do a flip kid until university. And I probably wouldn't have grown out of it as or as like at that age, except for I had an injury that I couldn't be do a flip kit during frost week either. Like that, that was my identity through and through. 
every yeah, every I've do always... a flip kid has a has there's a there's an age limit on on being the do a flip kid you know that, yeah. that's naturally I, imposed by by gravity and physics i think for about I got, 10 I minutes i fantasized about be, being the do a flip adult um <laughs> but that's not it was a, a dream that died really really quickly it gets less fun the older you are because the morning after your back is just not with you <laughs> like, i feel like there's a reason we stop seeing do a flip kid once they're no longer a kid it's great oh that's that's amazing to hear well we wish you the best of luck you know in your future and the best of luck to the sport uh, of cheer as it continues and we really appreciate you coming on the show and talk about this for a wrap up is there any other story or or plug you'd like to share while being on the show you know something thank you for your time you know you have the floor for a couple of minutes if there's anything we didn't get to uh, uh go nuts um, I feel like I should plug Lost Tribe Esports. Oh, sure. They're, they're a new division for Lost Tribe Athletics. I'm just kind of part of that group now in its first year of having athlete representatives. So Lost Tribe Esports. Um, sure. They're, they're our, great our friends, friends of the pods. Yeah. Friends of the pod. We're happy to support them in any way, shape, or form we can. We, we think of them as the other people in Jewish sports media. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be friends with both now. That's that's an amazing plug. If I can, if I can say them and you say yes also, that's a great idea. I'm happy to have that as my plug. That's great. Totally. Well, thanks again, Perry. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been great having you as a guest. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you to Perry for regaling us with tales of flips, turns, twists, and her history sort of from from the flip kid to uh, taking a group uh, to Poland and to one of the top teams in the world. Yeah, really great interview. And, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Lost Tribe Esports, um, which is, you know, doing some great work uh, sponsoring Jewish athletes uh, all over North America. Um, As as always... You can find our work at uh, the Canadian Jewish News. You can read the Canadian Jewish News at the CJN.ca. Um, join in the conversation on Facebook at the CJM Lounge. Um, you can get this podcast wherever you're currently listening to it. If you're on the web browser, find a podcast app and download us right in right onto your phone. You can take us with you wherever you go. I'd like to end this week with uh, a story. I promised my wife I would recognize a joke she made while watching baseball the other night. Did you hear about the time that a member of the Red Sox accidentally walked onto the same the team bus of the White Sox? No. All of their jerseys came out pink. <laughs> Thank you and good night, everybody.